0: Hello and welcome. Yet another episode, of the one shot podcast, the cricket podcast of the Sports Gazette. As always, I've got Toby with me. Toby, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Looking forward to discussing these two semi finals. And as always, we've also got Michael in here. Michael, how's it going?
1: Good, good. I'm uh, excited to talk about the semis. Been a good couple of games, exciting couple of games, uh, and previewing the final as well. Looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been 47 matches, after which we have a two finalists. And I mean, it almost seems like these 47 matches have been going on for a year. It's It just felt like a drag towards the end of it. But the semis have been interesting. They've been fun. We'll talk about a lot of major, uh, you know, things that happen in both the semifinals. Let's start with India-New Zealand. We have a finalist now, India and Australia. The first semifinal was India-New Zealand. It was. I mean, India did break the jinx finally. Toby, the the all all the talk was of 2019, that semi final, that MS Dhoni run out, and all of those things. India's record against New Zealand in World Cups, but they'd already beaten them for the first time in World Cup cricket earlier in the tournament, and they finally got the job done. But New Zealand did give them a scare at one point did you think new zealand was going was going to get over the line at the point or do you, did you always feel that now nah, india caught this
2: once once india got off to the fly that they did i always backed backed them to win it i thought that new zealand's main hope would have been sort of just getting on top early on maybe been able to take a few few wickets with the new ball which they were always so good at and moving from there but yeah i just don't think that they they really had a chance once Kohli got going and then I got going and really started to to dominate uh, the Kiwi bowling attack. And, and those two batted so well that they they very comfortably made almost 400 in the ends, And it didn't really seem like they were trying that hard.
0: It is. I mean, it is the most, the, uh, the biggest and the most obvious talking point of this, uh, you know, from this game is Virat Kohli. Finally breaking that record. But Michael, it was a fairy tale moment, wasn't it? I mean, he does it at the Vankhede in front of Sachin Tendulkar, who's sitting right there, breaks his record, and he's got his wife there, his family. He's got Sachin in front of him. I mean, could he, he, said that he He said that if anyone had, you know, given me the opportunity to script this, I couldn't have done it any better. Yeah, what that's, what, that's,
1: what I was, that's what I was just about to say. You know, he, his interview after was quite, it was a really nice interview. He kind of said... Yeah, this is the perfect moment. Um I mean it'll be even more perfect if they go on to win the final. Uh, but yeah, I mean it was it was a bit of a slow innings for him, you know, it took his time to get going. Um but his partnership with Shreya Sire was amazing. He kind of allowed Shreya Zire to um express himself and just start, you know, knocking the ball about a bit whilst Coley, you know, you didn't feel like he was gonna get out. After he got a century, yeah, he, he's he's gonna start smacking the ball about. He's got nothing to lose then. But yeah, he, he just felt like it was written in the stars. Uh it was an amazing moment for him. You know, I, I remember you told me about the potential, uh I usually uh, he could break the record at the start of the tournament. And I, I didn't know you know, I didn't know that uh it was on the cards. Um but he's done really well. I mean he's he's had a few close, you know out on about mid 80s 90s and the group stages but yeah I mean yeah what a player legend and yeah an amazing moment for him for sure and now the highest run scorer in the world cup just an amazing yes moment.
0: and I mean 700 runs already this tournament and he has another game to go and it's the, it's the highest runs ever in a world cup as well which I think is amazing Absolutely, he that's huge. A lot of
2: games, but but it's just I think he's been unbelievable. I think the only way it could have been scripted better is if, um, is if he'd done it in the World Cup final. But maybe he'll still make a hundred on Sunday.
0: More than a billion people, a billion and a half people would be rooting for that, praying for that, and if he can get it done in that World Cup final and get to eight hundred runs in this World Cup, it'll be reminiscent of you know that twenty sixteen IPL that he had. Where he smacked what was it nine hundred and fifty plus runs to get the team. I mean, just imagine eight hundred plus runs in a World Cup with what four hundred. It would be four hundred, I think, of the World Cup. This World Cup, if he gets the job done, uh, you know, in the final as well. So, but if Kohli, as he often does against Australia, does come up with the goods, yeah, India will be will have maybe have one hand on the trophy we, we'll talk about the final as well but toby while Kohli was so good and again as he always does held one end did not throw his wicket away and made sure that you know uh you know india that the others could bat around him and play their games freely do you think it was that shreya sayer innings that was actually the the biggest, or I I should say, the most important innings of that match? Yeah, undoubtedly. I think if Shreya Sire hadn't made
2: or scored at such a quick rate, India wouldn't have got anywhere near 400, which I think in itself just put a lot more pressure on New Zealand. Um, I thought Kohli, obviously, it was a very, very good knock. 100 off 100, pretty much runnable. Um, But 150 strike rate from Shreya Sire was remarkable. I mean to to score so so quickly in the way that he did really just took the game away from New Zealand, I felt. Um if he had gone out pretty quickly, then it, it's possible that that they might have they might have struggled and, and not put, <clears throat> put on anywhere near a total. I mean New Zealand still scored 327 and that was them trying to score at tens for for most of it, it felt like um so they they obviously had to put in a lot more uh, a lot more effort and if, if the score was significantly lower which would have been without Shreya Sire, New Zealand probably would have gotten a lot closer and and very likely could have won it, which would have been incredible.
0: Yeah, they were. I mean, like I said at the start, it was kind of a scare uh, somewhere in the middle when Daryl Mitchell and Kane Williamson were going really well. And Daryl Mitchell, I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, 50 overs, they fielded in that kind of heat and that kind of humidity of Mumbai, playing right by the sea and playing at Vankhede. And then he comes in bats for like at least I think 30 overs or so he batted, got that hundred. And yeah, that, that takes. I mean, you can expect someone like a Kohli to endure those kind of conditions, but Mitchell, yeah, for conditions that he's not very used to to doing that. I think that was also worth mentioning. He was really good. Uh Michael, your thoughts on Shreya Sayers innings. I mean, he's throughout this World Cup, not just not just in that semi-final. Uh He did have kind of a lean patch at the start of the World Cup, wasn't really firing, was getting some, then started to get some starts, but was not converting. Again, that short ball problem where everyone started talking about with Shreyas, but as, especially the last two games and as the tournament has gone, he's, he's, he's just brought that, uh, that fearless mentality out and he's, yeah, firing on all cylinders now.
1: Yeah, he definitely took a while to get going, didn't he? Um, But in his last four matches, he's got 82, 77, 128 not out, and of course 105 against New Zealand, which is, you know, insane run of games. I mean, yes, at at the points where he got those runs, you know, India were already qualified. Um, Obviously, the semi-final winning is massive. Uh, But it's great to see... Yeah, it's good to see him do really well and kind of prove, I don't know, doubt is wrong. I remember someone in this podcast, I'm not going to name any names, said that he should be dropped uh, about halfway through the group stage. Uh, but, you know, I am not I don't want to mention that. Um, and so he's done really well. But I think the key to the innings against New Zealand was the opening partnership. I think Rowett smashing 47 off 29 balls. And uh Shubman Gill, retiring injured, but 80 off 66. I mean, that just, it just allows those, the middle order to just come in and there's so much less pressure on them. You know, you see today with um, Australia taking early wickets uh, and South Africa's, you know, three, four, five 4, 5 coming in and they've got to play in a totally different way. You know, they can't express themselves. You wouldn't see the 105 off 70 balls, that, uh, 100 that Shreya's Iyer got in the South Africa innings today, you know, it's just totally different. And I think Rohit Sharma has just been amazing in that sense in this tournament because it, it's just like, it's like Jason Roy in 2019, you know, he just gets things going and takes so much pressure off the other batsmen. Um, so I think, I think they're kind of the unsung heroes of, of that game. Um, but obviously Shreya Iyer and Virat Kohli deserve all the plaudits.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm guilty as charged with that Shreya uh, Shreya's prediction or, uh you know the 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 preference that I had of Suri Yadav over him in the middle of the order. And I'm happy that he's proved me wrong, but he's been so good, like you rightly said, especially these last four matches, I mean, to be playing the way he has been playing. Uh but Rohit, like you mentioned, Michael, he's batting right at the top of the order. He comes out yesterday, it's you know expected to be nerves, packed Vankere Stadium, all eyes in them against New Zealand, who he was part of that 2019 side as well, where it was another match which India should have won. And then that top order collapse. And then just everything fell apart in what uh, Ravi Shastri had called 30 minutes of madness back in the day. So yeah, he was there, but he comes in and he says, he sets the tone from ball one. Starts smashing trend bolt and says, it doesn't matter if this is the semi-final. This is how we're going to play. We've played this way throughout the tournament. We're going to keep doing it. And Toby, that's reflected in his captaincy as well throughout the tournament. I mean, his bowling changes have been so spot on. His field placements. You see see Ravindra Jadeja yesterday took three different catches in three different fielding positions towards the end of the match when it really mattered most. What's impressed you the most about Rohit Sharma's captaincy?
2: I think there almost seems to be a bit of a maturity to him. He's obviously 36 now, but in the way that he... He's now seemingly, it might be that he's, well, since he's taken over as captain and from Virat Kohli, he, he definitely seems to have changed the philosophy within the Indian team. I thought their biggest weakness and problem at the last World Cup was the fact that they almost tried to go slowly at the beginning and catch up at the end. And it meant that at times they fell behind in games um, and didn't really have have the ability to to sort of just demolish teams from the outset like they did in today's game, which I think was is such a big factor. And they're almost sort of copying the old England way in 2019 where Jason Roy and, and Roy Sharma are playing very similar kind of roles now, um, where they both go out and or went out with Jason Roy's um, case um, just to try and, and hit the ball as hard as they can from the outset and score as fast as they can to get them ahead in the game, which I think is absolutely crucial to the way that this Indian side is playing. And... And particularly the way that they set up their side as well. I mean, more so when they had um Fakur and Harlech Pandya in the side, knowing they had quite a long batting lineup as well. But they know that they have Virat Kohli in the middle order, who's there to just ac- accumulate. And around him, they have a lot of hitters. Shreya Sire is so good against spin. Just from the outset, can just go from ball one and demolish pretty much any spin attack. Khera Rahul is arguably probably the best number five in, in the world right now, I'd say. Just the way that he can switch things up from sort of having played and, and batted in pretty much every position in an ODI lineup, he knows that he can sort of accumulate and go slowly if if you lose a few wickets early on, or he can explode at the end as, he, as he's done in the last couple matches um, and be really, really aggressive and, and devastating. Um, towards the end of an innings. And obviously Sky came in to bat at number six in replace of Hardick, but they both play similar roles as finishers. And then, yeah, Jadeja is probably the best all-rounder in, in the game at the moment, batting at number seven. And he just seemed to have constructed a really, really good batting lineup. And that's not even mentioning their unbelievable bowling attack they've had for most of this tournament with... Well, I mean, Shami didn't even start this tournament and is now the top wicket-taker fairly comfortably with a brilliant 7 yesterday. Um, which is crazy to think that he could easily have just not played this whole World Cup had it not been for Hardik's injury. And I, I don't know what you guys think, but but maybe India would have been in a better position. Maybe they'd be in a worse position. What do you
0: What do you think about this, Saish? I think it was Shami was not playing because at the start they were really worried about the batting. At the very start, they they somewhere even even though they had Hardik Pandya fit and you know fit and at his best at the start they were a little worried about the batting and that's where they were, you know, trying to accommodate Shahul Thakur in the side, just get that extra bat, you know, uh, ec- the player who could kind of just give f- at least a few runs at number eight as well. But as the tournament has gone by, gone through, they just seem so confident in those top six and the top seven that they don't care anymore whether they, you know, they the batting ends at number seven. They They've just not cared about that as the tournament went by. And uh, yeah, I don't know. The the Shami thing, it's just seeing him bowling the way he has been since he came in. It's like, you can say that the only thing India have got wrong throughout the tournament is not having Mohamed Shami play from the first match itself. And yeah, I I get where they went, why they were thinking with Charudu what they were thinking with Charudu Thakur at the start of the tournament. But better sense prevailed much sooner than later, is what I would say. And Mohammed Shami came in and yesterday was magical. Michael, what what are your thoughts on this?
1: No, I was just wondering, um, do you think that maybe Mohammed Shami was rested at the start of the tournament and kind of saved for the latter stages? Because I mean he doesn't strike me as the fittest of players, right? Um and I don't know, it might it might be a bit of a silly assumption, but I feel like he does his best work in the power play in the first over, over uh, overs. Like, how many first ball wickets has he got in the tournament? Maybe two or three? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, do you think... Is that a factor? I mean, or was it simple, like simply just a case of Hardik Pandya was preferred to him?
0: I, I, no, I think it was actually... Shardul Thakur, like I mentioned, was the one who was kind of the preference at number eight. Because, I mean, there's no comparison in the kind of bowlers that they are. But just that little bit of extra batting. Hardik was always going to be there. There was just, there was no way they were going without Hardik. I think even in the semi-final, he was, I saw him sitting with some of the uh, Bollywood celebrities and enjoying the match. And I was thinking, Rohit Sharma must be wondering. Hardik, we'd love to have you just on the middle right now and not sitting in the stands and watching. And they'd really love him uh in the final but unfortunately that's not going to happen so yeah i think uh i think it yeah you do make a good point there that they must have had shami in the plans right away but they thought okay let's kind of unleash him in a few matches not risk him at the start but i think it was more of a case of shardul thakur's uh shardul thakur being preferred for his batting toby what do you think of it
2: yeah well i think it's it's quite an interesting one it would have been uh, my question i was going to have for for you guys is if Chardle, or oh sorry, if um, Hardik got fit again and, and was able to play for the latter half of the tournament as we thought he might have been able to, do you, who do you think would have missed out? Would they have dropped Shami, or or maybe Siraj would have dropped out to bring the back in, or do you think they would have just accepted to have a weaker batting lineup and just having a long tail down to number eight?
0: I think yeah, with if Hardik was available, uh, he was going to be playing in place of Sky. Because that was going to be the direct replacement. Hardik, sky sits out. Uh, Hardik plays. And uh, yeah, I just think that at the start, they were really worried because Shardul Thakur's inclusion in the squad in the first place, yeah, we he, he is really useful in breaking those partnerships. And he, when no one else is, you know, getting the wickets, we've often seen Shardul Thakur get the wickets. So he's really good with the ball that way. But I think... Shardul Thakur what he's done with the bat in the past as well you know his ability to kind of hit a few big fours and sixes and get those runs at number 8 9 whenever uh, wherever he comes in i think that played the biggest role in his inclusion in the squad in the first place because if you see the rest of the bowling attack is just way more superior and it's just it's just a no brainer to have mohammad shami in there right from the get go right with that beautiful seam position and just everything that he can do, but as the tournament went by, I think they just were like, "All right, screw it. We don't really care about uh, having an extra batter. We're very confident in what this top seven is doing, and it went well for them."
1: I've got some. I've got some stats on Mohammed Shami's World Cup. Right,
0: they're crazy under. They?
1: So, so, so in his World Cup history, that's that he's got fifty-four wickets now. In ODI tournament, in ODI World Cups, in seventeen matches that averages out to be more than three a game, and in the games that he's played in this tournament, so seven of course against New Zealand in nine point five overs, none against uh, Netherlands was it? I think no, yeah, none against Netherlands. Don't worry about that. Two in four overs uh, in the next match, five in five overs the Next match, four and seven overs, and five and ten overs in the first match he played. That works out to be a wicket every about eleven balls in this tournament, which is just ridiculous. Like this, it's crazy. And he and he hasn't conceded many runs either. Like he's just been. I mean, is he your player of the tournament? Is he up there?
0: I think for me he is. He has been for me. Yeah, Kohli's been unbelievable. Like as we've come to expect of him over the years. Ayer, uh, Rahul, all these guys, they've just been so good. Jadeja's got quite a bit of wickets as well. I think with him, I saw that he's now the highest wicket taker for an Indian spinner in World Cup cricket in a single edition in, in World in World Cup cricket. So I think that's good for Jadeja, but Muhammad Shami has been the biggest difference. Toby, your thoughts on that? I think it'll be interesting. I mean, I think the World Cup final will probably end up deciding the
2: player of the tournament. Whether it be Coley or Char- or Shami, who are likely going to be the top wicket taker and the top run scorer, um, but then if if someone like Adam Zampa goes and takes a six for to win it and leapfrog Shami as the leading wicket taker, um, I think he's got a good opportunity. Or if David Warner say goes out and scores scores a big hundred and and jumps up the the leading run run scorers tables, then there's maybe a possibility or a shout that he could take over. Um, and even Travis Head, I think. Possibly could be could be an option for for it. he only played in the second half of the tournament, obviously being injured early on. But has been pretty exceptional so far um, in the what five games he's played, I think it is. Um, and I mean, Glen Maxwell obviously probably has at least the moment of the the tournament if he's not going to be the player of the tournament. So I think there's still there's still a few options, but I think at the moment it's somewhere between Virat Kohli and
0: and Mohammed Shami for player of the tournament for me. Travis heads an interesting shout because. Like, you rightly mentioned that he's just played a few games, but the impact that he's had, even what we saw earlier today against South Africa, which we will talk about in a bit, that was really good from him. But, uh, you know, guys, with New Zealand, I mean, they are, I think, among the neutrals, I think they've always been the favourites. I, I know there are many people for whom New Zealand is the second favourite team, depending on who their favourite is based on where their loyalties lie. But again, another heartbreak. Two back-to-back finals. Another semi-final. But let's take a moment to appreciate. I think Kane Williamson. Do we do we all agree that this was the last time we've seen him play in a world in an ODI World Cup match? And he he's the guy who's you know led so much of. Yeah, I mean the trans transition after Brendan McCullum went, and saw them to the final uh, last year, which they almost got. A very good semi-final appearance as well this time around. So yeah, I think we've seen him for the last time in a World Cup. Thoughts on Kane-Williams? And Michael, let me start with you on this one.
1: Yeah. Has um, he said he's retiring?
0: I mean, not yet, but I I personally don't see him playing 2027 South Africa. or at least yeah. captaining the side at the time. Because they've, knowing New Zealand, they might, even though he's playing, they might just want to kind of start building and you know a team under a new leader going forward.
1: Yeah. I mean I think we've seen that in this tournament though, right? We've seen the transition starting to happen with the likes of Rachin Ravindra come in and take that number three spot. And he's he looked you know exceptional there. Um I think I mean he Ken Williamson got injured. He only he only played three or four group games. Um, and they definitely coped without him. You know, they had a pretty solid group stage going into the tournament. I don't think that many people predicted them to be semi-finalists. So, yeah, you know, fair play to them. And that was definitely... When New Zealand were chasing, that was definitely the big wicket, the Kane-Williamson wicket. You know, when him and Mitchell had a partnership going, it felt like, you know, they might be able to do something. They're, you know, probably New Zealand's two best batsmen. Uh, So... Yeah, it, uh, he's he's definitely a legend of the game. You know, New Zealand have been so consistent in World Cups whilst he's been captain. Of course, that heartbreak in twenty nineteen, but he's just led you know really well. And yeah, I, I hope he stays on, and because he does he didn't look, he didn't look like he was struggling this World Cup, apart from the injury, of course. But he, he looks like he could carry on. Um,
0: so yeah, hopefully he does despite all these frustrating injuries that he had, came into the tournament after surgery and that big knee problem that he had, and then that freak hand injury, you know, just as soon as he comes back. But whenever he played, it it seemed like he was never away. Toby, do you think we're going to see him in 2027?
2: I think it'd be quite unlikely. He's 33 right now, I think. So 37, it's possible. It's possible. But I think, as as you just mentioned as well, with his history of injuries, it's probably a, quite unlikely. I was having a look as well, and a lot of the New Zealand team are possibly in their last World Cup. I mean, Devon Conway's 32, Williamson 33, Mitchell 32, Latham's 31, um, Tim Southey's 34, Trent Bolt's 31, 32, th- though he's 34 as well, sorry. Um, Lockie Ferguson's 32. That's a that's a large proportion of their squad, similar to England, I think, who whose last World Cup it could be which means they're going to have to try and look to the future and and build. They've obviously had quite a few younger guys playing. Ravindra, we mentioned, has been absolutely class um, and has probably solidified himself in in this New Zealand side for the next decade. Um, Tom Latham, 31, probably going to take over as captain, I'd say, if Williamson does retire. Um, I thought he, in the games he did captain, he was very, very good. Um, Seems like quite a clever cricketer and, and knows sort of what he's doing. Um, Phillips, I think, has, has been fantastic as always. Only 26, um, and, and really showing the all-round player he, he is, considering he was a wicketkeeper batsman not not more than a few years ago. So, I think it's crazy that he's been one of their most productive spinners in, in this tournament, or one of the most productive bowlers in this tournament. Even um, so, I think there's there's a lot to look forward to for this New Zealand side. But I think it is the end of an era for for them, as it is for a lot of um, a lot of the other sides in this tournament
0: you make a very good point where similar to England, we might see so many new faces, young faces going forward as well. And the next time they play ODIs, uh, it would be interesting the way that New Zealand go, but uh, you know, they are known for not, you know, they are known for making those, taking those tough calls. And if they feel like they're going to get a lot of youngsters in, we might've seen along with Williams and some others also might've played uh, for the last time in maybe some of them, not just in World Cup cricket, but in ODI cricket in general. So, yeah, that would be another interesting thing to keep our eye on going forward. But let's move to the second semifinal now. South Africa, Australia. That number of 2-1-3 continued to haunt South Africa, didn't it? I mean, 1999, so talked about semifinal between them uh, with that madness on the last ball, Lance Klusner, Alan Donald. That was the scoring that Australia got in the first innings, which South Africa just fell short. And today, 2 3 was the target for Australia. And again, South Africa, towards the end, it looked like maybe they could kind of win this out of nowhere. And Australia just continued to... They just continued to do what they've been doing since losing those two matches. Uh, Toby, let me start with you on this one. Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins, all three coming together together and performing and it was they I mean their bowling was the difference if they set the tone right up top as soon as it was 24 for four you're always you know you're always behind the game aren't you? Yeah I think once that was the case
2: it seemed like South Africa had very little chance um and I mean some heroics from uh, David Miller were, were fantastic but him and Henrik Larsson the only two to pass uh 20 um, it's never really gonna gonna pay off unless they'd both put on 200 effectively together, which they almost did. Um, then they didn't really stand a huge amount of a chance, uh, which is a bit of a shame because this South African batting lineup has been so amazing or so, so so on form for this whole World Cup that it does show that all it takes is one brilliant bowling performance from a, a world class bowling attack, and and that's your World Cup done. And, and as you mentioned, it was the three world class seamers in that side um and probably three of the best in the whole tournament who who came together and and did the job when they needed to Josh would only took two wickets with the other two taking three each but to go at an economy of 1.5 what 8 overs 12 runs is crazy absolutely crazy to to even think about um bowled really really nicely and the other two the other two just mopped up with a few wickets each um which always helps Travis Head as well, absolutely mental that he managed to take the two crucial wickets, or two of the crucial wickets, um, taking Heinrich Clarsen and, and then getting Janssen first ball, um, which really was just the the nail the final nail in the coffin. Um I think if Janssen had managed to to bat a little bit with Miller, then South Africa could maybe have looked at two fifty. Um, but I think that was just that was it really, and and he deserved a man of match performance and and that that was the uh, that
0: sealed the deal. And yeah, I mean, you wouldn't expect Travis Head to just come in and bowl in the first place. But again, an ode to Pat Cummins' captaincy, the way he was thinking, the way he was reading the situation. Travis Head comes in and gets the two set batters at the time. And yeah, they, after that, it it did look like at a time when you know Claassen was batting with Miller that they could, like you said, get to two fifty, and it could have been at the, the difference at the end those. 30, 40 runs at the end, because Australia scraped through eventually. Uh, Michael, thoughts on Pat Cummins' captaincy. I mean, we've been talking so much about Rohit Sharma throughout the tournament, the way he's led the team, uh, Kane Williamson and others, you know, not just the tournament over the years, but Pat Cummins, his, you know, his calm demeanor is also reflecting in the way Australia are going about things right now.
1: Yeah. He definitely stays calm under pressure. I think that was that was shown when he was in batting with um, Stark at the end. There. He was just laughing, you know. And at the same, and when he was in with Maxwell as well in that insane Maxwell innings, just laughing, you know. It just seems so calm. Bringing Travis Head in, I think Travis Head has changed the tournament for Australia. Uh, I think he just makes their prospects so much bigger and. Makes them much more of a contender in that final on Sunday, to be honest. Um, the and wicket was, was strange, though. I mean, Clarsen hit him back-to-back fours. And then Travis Head just bowls a pretty straight, you know, slow ball and bowls him. Um, and, he, and, he had, and Travis Head actually said after the game in an interview, he wasn't sure how that got him out. But uh, it worked. And it was a crucial wicket at a crucial time and probably the match-winning wicket breaking that partnership with Clarsen and Miller. So hats off to Travis Head. He was man of the match today. I know he got my, uh, player of the match today. And yeah, yeah, Australia just looked so much better with him and the team. Pat Cummings, his captaincy has gone definitely improved. Throughout, it feels like it's been improved throughout the tournament, like Australia have. Um, and yeah, I also just want to shout out Josh Hazelwood. He's had a really amazing under-the-radar tournament two for 12 today but South Africa just they couldn't get anything off them he, he was bowling so well before that water break in particular uh the rain breaks are in particular uh and yeah uh, well done to Australia turned it all around this tournament
0: I think you make a really good point with that Travis Head, uh, uh his bowling as well you know it's it kind of reminds me of uh what Tom Latham did in the tournament opener actually uh when Joe Root was batting Gordon Glenn Phillips out of nowhere and, you know, just letting, you know, playing with the batter's ego, just inviting them to go after the part-timer. And when they're doing that, that's when you get the most important wicket of the match. Uh, Toby, Travis Head's batting, you've, you've spoken about it. He is definitely a contender, uh, I think, you know, for Australia's, at least Australia's player of the tournament, given the way he's played, come in, change things around. But this Australian team, I mean, as the tournament has gone by, there's not one player who you would say has not really done something worthwhile in this tournament. They've all, at some point of time, have, you know, have, have really shown through, they've really kind of showed the world why they are five-time champions and why, you know, even though that this team is not considered among the best Australian teams of all time, they, that they still have that mentality that hey we're, we're still five time champions we're still representing Australia and we can get the job done. Yeah, no, they they've all chipped in, which I think has been absolutely crucial. Um,
2: I think that's almost been the the story of the these top four teams who all qualified. You look at India, South Africa, and New Zealand. All of the batters have got runs pretty much, and all of the bowlers have taken wickets or bowled e- econ- economically. Um, and and that's the difference. I mean, when when you compare it to England, who obviously what look looked like one of the worst teams at the tournament pretty much what four players chipped in Willie Stokes, Rashid and, um, and I guess Topley for a bit as well um, and David Milan obviously um, so when, when you're trying to play against well it sounds really simple when you're trying to play against 11 men you only got four guys on, on four and five, five players playing well um, you're never going to really stand a chance whereas as you mentioned if if anyone can score your runs, anyone can get your wickets. It makes it obviously a lot easier to uh, to try and defeat these teams. And and yeah, South Africa had it for a long time. All of their batters seemed in form. But yeah, I think that that's been Australia's crucial crucial element really. And and Travis Head coming back into the side definitely gave them a a new bit of life, which has has really helped them and and actually allowed them to shuffle around their um around their team because obviously he's coming open the batting, Mitch Marsh has slid down. And um, the the all-rounders batting in at number seven have taken taken a break. Cam Cam Green and Marcus Stoinis um, have both dropped out of the side, so it just allows them a, li- a bit a bit more flexibility. And and I'd personally like to see those all rounders back in one of one of Green or Stoinis in place of Labuschagne for the final. I think he's probably been their weakest batter. He's made a couple fifties, but not really looked that dominant. And often looks like he's sort of batting a bit slow, a bit stodgy. can't ever quite get 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 in the flow of it all. So I think maybe that could allow them a bit more freedom and and an extra bowling option never hurts as well. I mean, obviously, all they all bowl quite well today, but all it takes is is an injury or or someone bowling pretty poorly, which a lot of those Aussie bowlers have been throughout the tournament. So I think that could maybe be an option for the final, but I wouldn't be surprised if they keep the same eleven because they've been playing so well.
0: But do you think there are going to be changes in the team? I mean, or is is that going to be that? Let's not try to you know. uh kind of change a winning combination but i think it's a good shout someone like stroyness or green gives you that just that extra all around option do you do you see that happening though
1: um no i don't see it happening but i think it would definitely be the right thing to do uh i think but at the same time you know it's important to after a great win like they had today it's important to keep that momentum going keep the players the same um not change too much and dropping a player like labuschagne or smith is a is a massive deal, and it will definitely, it would have an impact on the on the dressing room for sure. Um, but yeah, Labuschagne and, and Smith. This whole tournament, they they've just not been good. You know, I thought today Steve Smith was in uh, with Josh Inglis. I thought they'd kind of bring it home. It was the perfect, perfect time. That's when you want Steve Smith in your team, right? When you're chasing. A very like a low total in tough conditions. He's really hard to get out normally. I mean, you just have to ask any England fan about that. Um, you know, an, an amazing batter when when he's on form, but he's not on form at the moment. He's he's playing, I, mean, I think, some of his worst cricket. So yeah, I I, I think having a big hitter like Stoyness or Green in there would make a lot of sense, particularly if you know India open the batting on the weekend. They put up a big total. Can you really see if Smith and Lavishhan you know scoring above a hundred strike rate and making that chase i I can't personally they're so they're way too reliant on the on that top three head Warner and marsh, who today only head was i mean Warner played well but he only got twenty nine head was good, but way too reliant on that and I think yeah. Uh, Toby's shot definitely makes a lot of sense,
0: and we will get to the you know our favorite part of the day the fine the predictions for the final in a little bit. But just before that, guys, the last two World Cups we've seen the hosts winning it. The third one, again, the hosts look like favorites to win it, and they might just making it three consecutive World Cups. So the hosts have won it. South Africa hosting the next World Cup, can they do it? I mean, can they finally do it in a home World Cup next year? Do you think? That that's going to happen. Let's not forget uh, Temba Babuma might probably not be around at the time. He's 33 right now himself. He's been a very good captain. I've been a big fan of the way he's led the team uh, on a past episode. Guys, if you're not checked it out, do check it out. The one which we did with Dan Gallen, who was on the podcast. And he spoke about the way Bavuma led the team and the way the team has just gelled so well under him. He's he might not be around. Quinton de definitely not going to be around. Maybe some other players as well, you know, from this team may not be around. Then, Toby, let me get you get your thoughts first on this. Do you see South Africa doing it 2027?
2: I think it's hard to call this far out. I mean, it's very similar as as we've said to to a lot of the other sides. They're going to lose a lot of their their lineup batting in particular. Um, I think Ada Markram's probably going to be the only one who's still around. At the time, bowling wise, they actually could keep a fairly similar lineup. Maharaj, maybe it'll be thirty-seven at the time, but I mean for a spinner, that's that's not too too unheard of. Um, but otherwise, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had exactly the same bowling attacks. They they do have a good good opportunity here um, for for their home World Cup in four years' time, but they will need to find find some batting to to try and emulate the form that they've been in this tournament, which will obviously be extremely hard. Um, but I mean, over the next four years, if they can develop a, a decent batting lineup, I think they've got a great opportunity um, to to try and carry their side and, and build a build a strong strong batting unit.
0: Michael, do you do you think that guys like Duel Brevis, who, who's been called as the next AB De Villiers by a lot of people, could be part of this team going forward 2027? 20, another very talented youngster, exciting youngster Tristan Stubbs. So yeah. Like Toby mentioned, that another team who could see quite a few changes, but how's that? How's that home World Cup in twenty twenty seven looking for South Africa? According to you, um,
1: yeah. I mean, like Toby said, I mean, we our predictions at the start of this tournament were pretty terrible, and uh, that <laughs> wasn't four years before the tournament. So uh, yeah, I don't want to say they're going to win it, but the home the home factor is definitely. A massive factor, uh, we've seen that with England, Australia, and in, India in this tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, it sounds like they've got some good young players coming through. Uh, Jansen, only 23, has has had a great world cup. Uh, uh, Kurtz, Kurtz, how'd you pronounce it? Kurtz, yeah, Kurtz, let's go, Kurtz, yeah, Kurtz has had a, a great tournament as well. Today, actually, he bowled really well, and he's only 23, so they got a good couple of. Pace bowlers coming through. And a little rogue one, uh, Quinton de Kock's only 31. I don't think he's going to retire. from. I think he'll play in the home tournament in 2027. I, I, And he has been insane, you know, this World Cup. Second highest run scorer, led by example. So, yeah, they'll definitely challenge, they'll compete. Um be stupid to write them off. So, yeah, yeah we'll see,
0: we'll see. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, yeah, let's talk about the final, guys. India, Australia. India has been outright the best team of the tournament. And again, clear favourites to win that final. But they're facing the five-time champs who know how to get the job done on this stage. And, and I mean, while India has been on this 10-match winning streak unbeaten in this tournament, they're facing Australia who also won eight matches in a row after what happened in the first two matches. Do we have any bold predictions for this one? Or do you guys think India's gonna they're just gonna continue what they've been doing?
2: I think it's it's hard to call. Um I mean Australia definitely have the quality, there's no doubt about that, but India's probably uh there. Well the home advantage will definitely help and, and if they as long as they don't um regret their their lack of a tail, I think they should be should be fine. I will stick with my Aussie prediction just because I made it a few weeks ago and I feel like you can't go back on it just based off a one-off match. Um, but I think it'll be a really exciting game, ho- hopefully, as well, which will be good to see. Um, and the Aussies definitely have it within them, as I, as I said. So I think if they can score a few runs, take a few wickets, that's all that they really need, isn't it? It's pretty simple.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's as, 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 as the saying goes, you know, just keep it simple and take it from there. Michael. What do you think is gonna happen? Yeah, you you were the, I think you were the closest to a good prediction among the three of us at the start of the tournament because our prediction for England really fell badly. Yeah, you did say Pakistan was gonna make it, that didn't work out. But you're pretty confident about Australia.
1: Uh, I, honestly, I don't remember being confident about Australia, but I'll take it. <laughs> you know, I'll take anything I can get at this point. You know, I I I just I, I'll remind you of one thing. First game of the tournament for India and Australia. Australia had India on the ropes, you know, eight for two, I think it was. Uh, And it took a really good Virat Kohli-Kao-Rahul partnership to bring back a chase of, uh, you know, I think it was about 213. uh, You know, the sort of chase, which should be comfortable, but those Australian pace bowlers can really, you know, put you under a lot of pressure. And with the way... Rowett's been playing. I mean, I've bigged him up a lot, but, you know, if you're going to come out and you're going to try and attack these Australian pacers, it's really risky. And I can see them getting early wickets, um, in particular, Rowett. And I think now Coley's got the record, I can't see him. uh, I can see him kind of taking his foot off the gas a little bit. I mean, maybe that's a bit harsh, but I think there's so much, there's less... Pressure on him now, which is normally a good thing, but I think with Kohli, he's he's all about the records. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, it would be an incredible performance. It would have to be an incredible performance from Australia to win in front of packed-out Stadium in Ahmedabad. Um, but I, I, I think I think they can do it. I'm going to go for Australia. That's that's my bold prediction. I just think early wickets, India under pressure. And then some Glenn Maxwell fireworks in the chase will bring wow. the trophy
0: to Australia. It'll be huge, wouldn't it, for them if they can get this get it done against this Indian team. And uh, I'm going to stick with India, head and heart both, uh, thinking about it from both angles, yeah. it Whatever, I mean, it's going to be one crazy final, especially there in Ahmedabad, 130,000, it is going to be packed. Um, we might just see some very big names attending the final as well, adding to the entire spectacle. And yeah, you can trust the BCCI and the organizers at the Narendra Modi Stadium to put on a show even before the final begins. So yeah, we'll see how how they do all of that. But yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us again. It's been a wonderful chat. We will be catching you again after the end of the final where we could we'll either see India lift their third ODI World Cup trophy or Australia, and it feels crazy just saying it, a sixth ODI World Cup trophy. That I mean, just if they can do it, that would just I mean you do you you it, it is already the greatest team in World Cup history and the most successful team in the history of the sport in the format at least. And just adding a sixth title, sixth ODI World Cup would be Massive and great for Pat Cummins as well. So we'll see how that goes, uh, guys. If you all have not caught some of our past episodes, do catch all of them on Spotify and on the Sports Gazette website. Especially the latest one we did before this one, which was with former England cricketer Monty Panesar, and he spoke to the three of us and had some great insights on the World Cup and especially on the way England have gone about things and what they could do going ahead as we. You know, expect a new look in England side once again. At the same time, we're also doing a lot more content on the Sports Gazette. So please go on the Sports Gazette website and do check it out. We'll join you very soon. Until then, enjoy your final. And this is Ayush, Michael, and Toby signing off. Take care.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.